everybody. Welcome to the YamCast. My name is Erica. And I am Chris. YAM actually stands for Young Adult Ministry. So the goal of this podcast is to talk about college and young adult ministry and how to effectively do that. Yeah. And the music in our episode is from our lovely friend Brian Nielsen and James DeWalt. He just makes us sound so good. So, Judges 3. Finally getting to our first judge. How does it feel? It feels great. Good. I'm excited I'm for Othniel. Are you excited for Othniel? Yep. Well, let's talk about the basic storyline then, shall we? Mm-hmm. So, verses 1 through 6. I almost said 5, and then I'm like looking down, and I can't read because I'm going <laughs> getting very, very old. So, verses 1 through 6 just talk about how... The Lord didn't follow through on kicking all the nations out for the people, right? We talked about this in Judges 1 and 2, mm-hmm. that they didn't accomplish what they were supposed to accomplish. They didn't listen to God. They didn't take God at his word. So God didn't do the job for them. And because of that, then he leaves the people there. So he's not going to wipe them all out. But now he's going to use those people and the, the whole process itself to grow Israel. And so, in fact, in verse 4... It says, they were there for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So I'm reading out of the ESV, by the way. That's the, the, the translation that I typically use. And so the idea is they were left there to give them a chance to listen to God's words again. So if God says, I, I want you to do this, then it gives them a chance to actually listen. If they would have eradicated all the peoples from the land like they were supposed to, God wouldn't need to test them because they'd be totally scot-free. But what's beautiful is there's going to be something that comes up in the storyline with God a lot is if you're listening to me, you're going to get what you're, what you're supposed to have. So this whole idea of testing, that can kind of be a, a sensitive subject. Mm-hmm. Partly because we're American and we don't like tests. Yeah. we Yeah, we very much don't. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I just feel like. When we say that, like, God tested them, it's kind of like a, a, yeah, I don't know. It makes people uneasy. and Yeah, because we're a test-heavy society, mm-hmm. and tests stink, right? Right? I mean, unless you're prepared. Right, but the idea is if you look at Scripture and you deal with testing in Scripture, often it's a... You have two choices. Both of them have equal consequences, but they aren't necessarily both bad. Mm-hmm. We see test as either I passed or I failed. The idea here is more testing. It can actually be used to keep you growing and to learn. Yeah, yeah. So that's really the idea. Yeah, to learn to grow that kind of thing. So God's it's actually gonna, a kindness, not always right. So in this sense, yeah. God's going to use this to actually grow the people and give them opportunities to keep learning from Him and to go with Him. That's good. Mm-hmm. So they don't kick out all the peoples and they start marrying into people. And, and verse six talks a little bit about this. The part of the problem is, and, and people get hung up on the marriage thing in, in the basic storyline here. The problem with the marriage thing is there are sexual practices that go along with worship of other gods often in the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. So when it says, they were giving off their daughters or they were giving off their sons to, to marry daughters and stuff like that. The idea is there's negative things that happen involving worship 
So when it says that, it's kind of a little bit of potentially euphemistic of there's there's also practices happening that shouldn't be happening. I'm going to be as nice as I can be because I'm sure there's some younger listeners. But, you know, to the high school, college students, you can kind of read between the lines and go, oh, oh. Weird stuff. Right. So because of that, verse 7, the people of Israel did what was evil inside the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. They served the Baals or the Baals and the Asherah. And then after that, the Lord, his anger was kindled. The people cry out for a redeemer. The redeemer is sent. And this redeemer is Othniel, right? Yep. We've the, heard of him before. Yep. And he's the, the nephew of Caleb, who's kind of a big deal in chapter 1. And then it's going to go through all of that. So that's the basic storyline at the beginning of chapter 3. And we're going to deal with chapter 3 in two parts this week. And then next week, we're going to cover one of the more fun judges, I think, in the whole book. Like Mr. I'm kind of, Lefty. Yeah. In fact, I saw a friend of mine is doing a sermon series called Lefty and the Fat King this past week. And I thought, this is so great that we're doing that. So we're going to get to that next week. Same thing. Anyway, so that's the basic storyline. Deal? Sounds good. Deal. All right. We're moving on to my favorite segment, the Deeper Dive. I don't know if you felt that in your chest like I did. That one had a little more bass in it, I I must say. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I'm uh, maturing. (laughs) (laughs) so there's a couple things i want to deal with in the deeper dive that might be interesting to some definitely interesting to me and i'm here and i'm talking so you really don't have a choice so we gotta listen uh people cry out to god it's a beautiful thing and this is going to happen all through the book of judges people are going to cry out to god and what I, i just look at this sequence that happens here the people cry out god raises up a redeemer or a deliverer Someone comes to save them. This person then actually saves them, which is a good thing. If you're the redeemer, you should redeem, right? (laughs) If it's your title, you kind of should be able to do it, right? But I want you to notice that what the people did was they rebelled against God, and they suddenly wake up. They realize that they've screwed up, and so they cry out to him. His response is to send them a redeemer who then redeems them. And then there's this beautiful moment of justice and rest that sort of settle over the land. So you're going to watch this pattern over and over and over again in the book of Judges. It's going to it's going to appear pretty much with every single judge except for there's a couple that have like one verse like Shamgar we're going to deal with next week. He's just kind of a throwaway guy. But and, and that's super offensive. I'm, I'm like right? because he's so cool. Shamgar's family right now just rolled over in their graves like my dad killed lots of people with an ox goad. Okay. So anyway, Shamgar, big deal, but not really a big deal at there's all. There's a little spoiler. Yeah, there. he doesn't really get anything. But here's the thing. So the people rebel they go against God's wishes. And often it's going to be worshiping other gods, which is what we've talked about weeks ago with the supernatural concept, right? They're going to worship other gods. Then they're going to wake up. They're going to freak out. you got to think about prodigal son, other moments in scripture like that where it says like, and their eyes were opened. There's something going to, it's going to dawn on them. Like, what are we doing? We're morons. So they're going to beg God to do something. And what God's going to do is raise up a leader who's then going to come in, save the people, And then for that period of time, after this leader does this, justice is served and rest occurs. And then what's going to happen is after that period of rest is over, the people rebel. They do it all over again. They wake up. They cry out. God raises up a redeemer, a deliverer of some sort. That redeemer or deliverer saves them, and then there's justice and there's rest. So it's just this constant pattern in the book of Judges, so get ready for it. And the first time you see this sort of play out is verse 7 through 11. This is Othniel, this guy that we just talked about a second ago. 
So that's the first thing that I really want you to notice when you're reading the book of Judges. If you don't see that pattern, then you've missed it. And there's kind of a beauty in it. Also with that pattern, it's a pattern that's all throughout scripture. It's all over the place. People are going to realize they're totally messed up. God's going to give them someone to fix the problem. Whether that's a king, whether that's an actual redeemer, whether that's the savior of the world, Jesus or whatever, you're going to see this constantly pop up. Yeah, it's often easy for us to look at them and be like, oh my gosh, they're doing it again. Idiots, like stop doing that. And then when you really look at your own life, you're like, oh, I do that too, right? Like I fall away and then I'm like, oh, I don't like what's going on in my life. Stop it, stop it. God help me. And then comes right along All and the then do it again. So it's always easy for us to to kind of point fingers at them, but really that is what we do as humans. Yeah. We play the prodigal a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay, second part of the deeper dive uh, that's really important for us to deal, deal with is the word judge. The book's called the book of Judges. It's based on that because of the word sofet. You want to say that? I like that, sofet. And the problem with judge is this isn't really what they do. <laughs> so we translate the word, which is also krene or krena in, in Greek. So in, in, we got the Hebrew word, we got the Greek word. Both of them are translated as judge. But when we think of judge, we typically think of like the person who takes our kids away in divorce court or. Uh, Whoa, starting, that, that just got really, real. Wow. Or we think of like a cranky old lady on daytime television that keeps you awake while you're, you know, when you're sick and throwing up in your house or whatever. Or we think of, you know, ancient people with like a white puffy wig that's like, you must do this. That is not at all what judges no. do. And in this book, the, the word translated judge isn't really fair. And so I, I printed out this article. This is from the, the New American Commentary on the Book of Judges, which is a great commentary to go to and kind of think this through. And that was written by Daniel Block, who's a solid, solid Old Testament scholar, like one of the top, top guys. And so what he talks about here is the idea that the, the word itself, these individuals are never actually called a judge. They're never said like the judge. There's one time that the word the judge is used, and it's actually used about God, not about the judge itself. What you see is each of these characters are given the, the verb of that word. They judged the land. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they're not actually called judges. They're the ones who are imparting judgment upon the land. And so then you got to dig into that a little bit and think about it. And this is, I'm kind of paraphrasing some of this article, but it's fantastic if you want to go look at it and kind of play it out here. Really the idea of judge here is that they are enacting the judgment that God wanted to have upon the land. So the land is in rebellion. God is going to fix it. And how does he do that? He raises up a leader to fix the land, to fix the issue which is part of where we're going to get into this in a second, but it's part of the reason why the word rest is used in this. So you're going to see with Othniel, you're going to see it with Deborah, Jephthah, Samson, a bunch of the secondary judges. They're all called judges, yet they don't ever get called a judge. They just judge the land. And also they're not making judgments. Like there's no one coming to them saying, I've noticed this, this is wrong. We need to fix this. What is your judgment? All they do is slay people. The judge. Yeah. Okay. So they're more the enactor or the, you know, the executive branch of the judge. <laughs> like they're not a judicial people. The one judge that does some judicial things is Deborah. We're going to talk about her in a couple of weeks. But she's unique in that. And, and so the idea here is the word gets translated judges, but it's probably more like the slayer <laughs> or the, 
the, the mighty, you know, the, you wouldn't say mighty warrior because that has a very negative connotation throughout the Bible up to this point. The mighty warriors are all really evil men who do terrible, terrible things and you don't want to follow them. The idea here more is these individuals are sort of the, the righteous enactor of what God wants to do. And because what their job is, is actually to do what God is going to do because God has been called upon by the people who are in rebellion. Do you notice that mm-hmm. that's a, there's a nuance there. So God's just not doing stuff because God's just like walking around like boom, 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 fire, lightning bolts, fire. You know, like he's not doing this to the land. What he's doing is he's letting the people rebel. They wake up. They go, I want a savior. So what does he do? He raises up a savior. The savior does saving work. Mm-hmm. And then after the, sla- the saving is done, the land has rest. You with me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's ba- the basic idea of the word judges. So there's there's so many other words you could use. Uh, in fact, <laughs> Daniel Block at the end of the article says, the name of the book is better rendered the book of tribal rulers. Okay. The book of tribal rulers. Let's change it. So we're going to call this the book of tribal rulers from now on, <laughs> except I'm never going to do that. I'm going to call it judges. It's a little too wordy for me. So Mr. Block, thank you for your commentary. It was done in 1999. It's fantastic stuff. So that's what a judge is. It's somebody who's going to enact the judgment of God upon the people, not so much somebody who's going to like decide a court case or something. So get that idea out of your head. Okay. Second thing that I think is important for the deeper dive in this one, and this is going to set up an idea that we're going to deal with the whole book. Uh, the question of what is rest? And, and you know the word rest from various other places in scripture, right? You hear the word Sabbath, right? Or Shabbat mm-hmm. uh, in Hebrew. This is a nuance of that word. It's not the same word. It's actually... Uh, yeah, quite different, but it's got the same idea. So let me describe what Sabbath is. It's actually to allow one's hands to drop. It's like to give up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? To rest, yeah. to just be done with whatever. So that has various nuances. And this is from Hallet, which is the, the Hebrew Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament. I'm going to teach you all kinds of fun things uh, when we go through these these annoying books that nobody else wants to read. But I went to seminary, so I had to learn it. So I'm going to force you to learn it too. A couple things that Hallett is going to tell us is one possible definition of this is to be at rest. One is to be peaceful or to be quiet. One is to maintain a quiet attitude or possibly to give peace or to keep the peace. That's kind of the idea. So we, we read rest. The idea here really more is, is like that Sabbath concept, completeness, or the work is finished. So you're going to notice this with the book of Judges or the book of tribal rulers, I also think it's interesting how you have to, like, tribal rulers. That's not a thing. Like, if there was a movie called Tribal Rulers, that's, the, how that's what the it? guy in the TV show or the commercial would say, right? It's true. He wouldn't just say. Tribal rulers. Tribal rulers. Actually, that was not bad. Yeah. Anyways. No, it still doesn't sound. He, he'd be like, the book of tribal rulers in a land. Very Wow. <laughs> You're good. In a land chasing after Baal. If only one would rise up to fix it. Oh, the we book got of one. tribal rulers. Which again, we said this weeks ago. If you're a video maker, a filmmaker. A video maker. <laughs> if you're a filmmaker, you really should get on the book of judges and just make a little mini series of each one of these judges. It would be legit. I would totally watch it. Especially Shamgar, please. Unless it's terrible. And if it's terrible, then I'm not gonna watch it and I'll complain about it on on the Yamcast. However, the last thing we want to talk about in the, the deeper dive is what is rest? <clears throat> and the idea here of a rest is 
that something is being done that needs to stop. That's really what's happening. So if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, the first time this this nuance of this word is used, and it all ties with Shabbat, this idea of the seventh day, right? So God works for six days, creates all of the order in the planet. The first three days, he creates the spaces. Days four through six, he fills those spaces. Day seven, he rests because he's done. And then he asks us to follow along. So we're going to work for six days. And on the seventh day, we're going to rest and we're going to do our thing. Mm-hmm. The same idea is here. There's there's an idea here that the land is actually being perpetrated upon by the people. That what the people are doing is when they're rebelling, they're not just rebelling against God and it's not just affecting them. Mm-hmm. It's actually affecting the land. It's affecting everything around it. And this comes back to the podcast that we did a few weeks ago when you're talking about the idea of the promised land. It's supposed to be a space where you meet with God and all that kind of thing. Well, you can't meet with God if you're worshiping other gods. So you're taking what's sacred and you're breaking that and you're making it less sacred. So what God needs to do is fix that and make it sacred again. So in order to do that, he's got to clear it. And in order to clear it, he has to raise up a deliverer who's going to then come and save. That deliverer is going to enact justice. He's going to do the saving, which might mean slaughtering some people with an ox goat. (laughs) Shamgar might become the most famous at the end of this whole podcast. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of that justice, once the justice has been done, now the land... All the work has been done to fix it, and the land can rest from the sin or rebellion that was happening in it. You with me? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yes, you rest because the work is done. So something needs to be fixed. It gets fixed. And now there's nothing that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You rest. Right. In which case, these judges become less about, again, enacting judgment and more about liberating the land from the sin that's being done to it. It's kind of a cool concept. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see this over and over again. The judges are going to give rest to the land. The land will have rest for a period of time and then, you know, go on and on from there. It's kind of an interesting idea. And then that was the last big concept. This is just kind of a quick piece of the deeper dive. It's not really a, like a full concept that I want to develop, but I just want to say it's super neat that the spirit of the Lord is upon Othniel. It's mm-hmm. the first time this is used in this book. But the idea that the Lord raises up this individual, the spirit of the Lord is upon him, and that allows him to go do what he needs to do, which he saves Israel by going out to war and killing Kushan Rishthaim. It's like a very hobbit name, right? Mm. That's what you would expect. Who's this random king from the king of Mesopotamia that we don't know where he came from or who he is, but he just shows up, does some terrible things for eight years. And then the land is saved from him, and it has rest for 40, 40 years. And then verse 11 ends with, then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And that's the end of the story. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was The Deeper Dive. So let's get practical. Let's get practical. Practical. All right, so our first topic on the let's let's get practical um is just this idea of testing and and not the idea that we in america and i would just say even as humans where we're just like i don't want to be tested stop doing that but the the more the idea that of god of of what he actually sees testing to be and that it is to learn and to grow and so i mean i just want to challenge us to to think of areas in our life where that might be happening so where are we 
kind of falling short and God is using that to grow us and to test us. And um, in a lot of ways, I would say, stop doing those things. Like, think of what those things are. I mean, yes, they are meant they're meant to to help you grow and to help you learn. But um, but I also think there can be better ways. And and that would be when um, we don't bring those things into our life and he doesn't give us over to them. So then we have to learn from them. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. So, which is a very parental thing to do. Like, have you ever had a pet or a, or a child really closer to each other than you'd imagine having a pet or a child? But, right, you need to teach them what's allowed and what's not allowed. And then you give them a test to do that. So, if I'm teaching my dog not to come to me until I say the word come, I give him a test. And if he mm-hmm. succeeds, I'm like, yeah, good job. If he does not succeed, I put him back where he started and I make him do it again and again and again and again and again until he figures it out. Mm-hmm. That's the book of Judges. Which is funny because, yes, when you put it like that, and as a parent, when you think about it in that way with your child, you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And actually, that's a loving thing to do. But I don't know why. And maybe it's just because it's you personally, or maybe it's because you become an adult and you don't think you need to do any of those things anymore because you've learned it all. But then we end up thinking that it's wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. we end up thinking that, oh, how dare somebody do that? Mm -hmm. How dare they? Um, And so it's just so funny how... Yeah, in different areas of our life, we're like, oh, that totally makes sense. Of course you would do that. That's the loving way to to create discipline. That's the loving way right. to to have somebody grow. But then, yeah, when you become older or an adult or whatever it might be, you're kind of like, yeah, that doesn't seem fair. I think that's the word. That doesn't seem fair. That's a common one, I think, totally. that we say. Well, so. one of the fruit of the Spirit is, fruit, is self-control. And how do you get self-control if you don't learn discipline, mm-hmm. right? So self-discipline, those are, it's the same thing. And we like that. We like reading that and going, oh, I want God to totally do that in me. Well, how do you learn self, self-control self and discipline without having a test that you succeed? I mean, that's often because I feel like we always pray for patience. And, I mean, how do you end up getting patience? By having imp- things happen that are going to make you want to be impatient, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the idea of, of, of justice and rest? I just think when we think about our lives a lot, if we're going to get practical with the sense of justice and rest, it's that we need someone to fix it for us. We need to come to our senses and realize, oh, man, I'm, I am messed up big time. And in order for us to get justice, a lot of times we have to feel the consequences of that thing, mm. whatever it is. And then when we feel the consequences, finally, it fully wakes us up. It fully shows us how messed up we are. And it's only kind of at that moment you know, I'm thinking about moments when you finally let your guard down and you're just totally real and you're just that deep exhale of, ah, I finally told you it's mm-hmm. been eating me alive. And you look at the other person's face and their disappointment and how sad they are. But you feel a tremendous amount of rest because it's finally off your, you know, off your shoulder, out of your heart. You're not holding on to this thing anymore. And then what's beautiful is if the other person across the table gives us mercy, then rest is really found, mm, right? Mm-hmm. When they look across the table at us and they say, When it's really fixed. I love you, and I, I, I forgive you. I'm choosing to let this be. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to get practical, the idea is sometimes, you know, especially as young adults and college students, we are holding on to things that we shouldn't be. And we're afraid of being real because we're afraid of what we're going to give up. 
and it's and it's kind of ironic and odd because a lot of college students when they first start in college, uh, they they want to remake their personality. They want to become a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, their high school was so tra- traumatic for them that now they're in college. They're like, I can be anyone. I can do anything. But what's amazing is they're so open with being themselves that they eventually start to hide in a different shell, and then they realize, man, this can't be anymore. So if we're going to get really practical, and this kind of deals with with testing and with this, just be you. And if you're trying to figure out who that person is, then okay. And again, I don't mean this in a self-help sort of like, you be the best you you can possibly be. We don't mean that at all. We're just saying, let the Lord show you exactly who you're supposed to be, and then just follow through and do that. And don't be afraid of what everyone's going to think. Don't be afraid of what everyone's going to be. They might help you adjust and think it through. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, this idea that who you are in God, who you are and what you believe in God, that, that idea is probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Just at a, at a base level, it's just wrong. So if we're going to grow, if we're going to develop, we need to be tested. We need to enact judgment. And we need to have rest. And this this pattern that you see in the book of Judges is happening to us possibly on a daily basis, if not weekly or monthly or yearly. There's things that are going on in our life that need to be addressed, cut out, and then rest needs to be given to us. The only way to get there is to be real. Well, and I like, yeah, what you said about it doesn't actually really get fully resolved unless that person that you're sitting across from, yeah, extends mercy. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so true because, yeah, it's off your chest mm-hmm. and you feel a little bit better, but now you've unloaded it onto somebody else. And until they actually almost like take it and kind of give it back, it not like in a mean way, but, you know, they've ta- they've taken it, they've thought about it, and now they can respond. Um, that's when you actually, I think, can fully exhale. And you're like, okay, it is it is fine. I can be me. I can do this. Um because I know when I went to college, that's exactly what my thought was. I was I was like, I don't really like who I was in high school or the box that I felt like people put me in in high school. And I was like, I'm ready to to be who I actually am. And then, yeah, I was confused. I was like, I don't even know if I know who I am because I feel like I've tried to be so many different people to so many different people because I wanted acceptance and love and to belong. So then, it, yeah, in college it was who even am I and figuring that out. And then now the next five, six, seven years was me fully coming into that so right and it is a beautiful thing when you can fully come into that so it's good robbie grandma robbie grandma i'm trying to do any gram robbie what kind of gram any gram gram Enneagram? No. Enneagram, Grandma. That's the that's the intro to the Enneagram oh, segment this time. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea what was going on. Robbie and Grandma. She's the Enneagram. Because it's Grandma. I See get you. I get you. Okay, so really quick. Who are we talking about? With the Enneagram. Well, we're going to get into Othniel, oh, obviously. goodness. We're going to go um, into more number stuff. Well, last week, I kind of talked about what the number one was. And so this week, I just kind of really briefly, I'm just going to go through each number super quick. Um, so at, we talked about the number one last week, perfectionist. That's kind of how they, they feel accepted in love is by doing the right thing. Number twos, they are helpers. Um, sounds great on the outside, not always. So they that's how they feel accepted and loved, basically, is by helping other people out, sometimes to the detriment of their own. Uh, the, the three is a performer. And once again, that's kind of how they feel um, valued is by by producing. So 
they're kind of the ones that are usually up on the stage. They're the ones that are in your face. They're the ones that are to-do list, check, 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 doing all of those things. Um, uh, the number four is, is the individualist or the, they also call it the romantic. Uh, they, they always kind of feel like there's an ideal out there that they're not quite meet, meeting. They, they want to be unique. They want to be an individual. They want to be different. And that's kind of how they feel, get meaning. They really want meaning and purpose in their life. And so they kind of strive after that. The number five is the investigator. They really are just, they, they want to know everything that they can. But they also feel as though they have this like energy bank and they don't want it to be depleted. And so they're very careful with the amount of time that they spend with people. And so they, yeah, so their, their me time is very important to them. The six is the loyalist. The loyalist is, um, is, is pretty uncertain. I mean, they're very, as the word is loyal, like they're like the friend you want to have in your corner. Um, once they, once they make a decision, they very much latch onto it. You have the enthusiast, which is the number, um, seven. They, they run from pain. That is one of their things. They kind of think that they're, they're, they kind of have like a deadly sin that is attached to each one and that's like gluttony. Like they feel like things, they have to keep take, take, take or the, or it's all going to be gone. So they are the ones that always want to be doing more adventures. They want to be eating all the things. They want to be doing all of the things. Um, and that's also kind of a way that they like escape from some of their, the pain that might be in their life. Then you have an eight who um, is the challenger and they they really like to kind of ruffle feathers. They really like to kind of like get in, get under people's skin a little bit, but not in a bad way. It's just, that's kind of how they, um, they kind of see where you are. They, that's how they, I mean, they challenge. That's exactly like, I kind of see them as like the devil's advocate a lot of the time. And then you also have the peacemaker, which is the number nine, which once again, sounds fantastic, but they value almost like they don't like conflict at all. So they will, um, and these are kind of like the, the stereotypical um, numbers, but they they will not bring up things so that they can avoid conflict. Like they want peace and they don't, so they will go along with a lot of people's ideas. They're kind of more of the follower. Um, and obviously there are far more vast things and different intricacies with each one of these because we're people and we're different. So, but that's just the basic thing. So with Othniel. I feel like with that intro, I'm qualified to just number everyone. Um. I'm just kidding. Keep going. Sure, Othniel. sure. Okay. What number is Othniel? So, so Othniel. Let's just look at some of the things. Okay, we first saw him in chapter one, when Caleb gave his daughter to whoever would be victorious over Kiriath Sefer. Okay, um, that kind of, and he was. So Othniel was not. Spoiler alert. You already knew that one. So he could be like a go getter. Like, okay, that's what you want. I'm gonna go do it. Which is kind of a number eight, where they they don't really have the internal monologue of like insecurities. They're just like, "That's what you want, all right? I got it. I'm gonna do it." So he took the challenge. Um, not sure if he. I mean, he knew what the. So maybe it was because of the reward. I don't know. Maybe he was like, "Oh, daughter. Yes, she's really good looking. I'm gonna take her. So I'm gonna go get that done so I can have her. Who knows? I don't know if he was intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated. Who knows?" Um, but we do know that eights like to get things done. So that could be what he is. They don't really wait around to make things happen. They just kind of do it. 
Um, ones can also be pretty direct, so that could be as well, but ones more so have a fear of making a mistake. So I would see them being the guy that's like still trying to figure out if they can do it while Othniel's actually doing it. You know what I mean? Um, so he could be an eight, but if we look back at number in chapter one, who is it that actually goes and asks Caleb for these springs of water? His wife. His wife, which doesn't seem like a very eight thing. No. Like, I feel like an eight would be like, no, honey, I got this. I will go and ask because I'm an eight and I get things done. What if he did, though? What if he told her, hey, your dad doesn't like me because he didn't expect me to win the battle? No, maybe. So why don't, maybe. You go, why don't you go talk to your dad and ask about the springs? So he actually used that as, yeah, maybe. Possible. Maybe. I mean, we don't know. We don't know how that will happen. every good woman is a man who's manipulative. <laughs> that is. That's not true at all. No. It's just really fun to say out loud. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah, maybe he was like, actually, I see all the cards here. If I go, it's not going to happen. But if you go, it will happen. Maybe. No, maybe that's what it was. Really, we know how it really went down. <laughs> the girl was just like, yeah, let me do like, this. I, I want a Corvette. Let me go ask my dad. He'll, <laughs> He'll make it happen. Um, which, which made Othniel feel really small. I'll, I can't buy you a Corvette because I'm not good at life yet so that could be a peacemaker you know he's just like all right fine do what you want to do do what you need to do so who knows that could be a nine i don't know um but obviously this is all speculation because we don't know these people we're making up things um but isn't it fun i live in that world i really enjoy this world (laughs) um but he's also our first judge that god appoints which is kind of a big deal i mean i think that's a big deal and he has the spirit of god on him and he's victorious again. Um, so I'm not sure if I can, like, pull a number out of having God on your side because I feel like he trumps, like, all the personality mm-hmm. tests. So he's just like, well, I'm God, so it don't matter because I do what I want. And I don't have insecurities and fears to deal with. So so who knows? That's settled maybe for he's me. an eight. That's settled maybe, for me. maybe he's a nine. How does grandma feel? I don't know, Bobby Asker. Uh, Robbie. Oh, sorry. I don't know, Robbie Asker. Yeah, she says it's good. <laughs> Robbie just told me that Grandma said it's good. She gave All right, a, sounds good. She gave a shaky thumbs up. Oh, she's really Grandma. old. She's really old, so she can't help it. Last last segment for this week. <laughs> All right. I feel like people are gonna get to know us better in this episode than any of the other episodes before. <laughs> I'm they just keep getting better and better. <laughs> So we so keep uh, listening in. We end each episode with a yam spot, and this is just a reminder. It's an opportunity for us to talk about college ministry, young adult ministry, maybe how to do it well, some things to think about. And this week we want to talk about maybe just some good, fun ministry ideas. We're going to keep this brief, but we want to just encourage you to get really creative with your ministry and do kind of whatever you want to do. And so with that said, uh, you know, I've seen college groups do something called a progressive dinner, and I say that because... When I bring up with most college and young adult people, they're like, that is the coolest idea ever. You mean we're going to go from one person's house to another to another house and, and eat, eat food? Yeah, we're going to eat food. Like, So what you do is you do an appetizer at one spot, and then you do the main course at another, and then you know either another main course or dessert, depending on how extravagant this gets. And they're always like, this is the greatest idea ever. It's a really old idea, like centuries old. <laughs> but it seems like a great idea now, so let's do it. So that's one. We did a, a movie progressive dinner one time oh. where The Lord of the Rings was about to come out, the third episode. And what we did was we watched the first one extended cut at my house. We had breakfast ready. 
They came. Well, this is a whole day gig. Well, it's twelve hours. Yeah, the three okay. movies. So they came to my house. We we made, we had breakfast ready. We did that. Then we all went ran and got lunch, somewhere, and then we we went and watched the second episode. And then we went to a premiere that night. Okay, that's so fun. we had multiple dinner opportunities. You mm-hmm. could you do that with the Star Wars movies, but it takes like six days. Yeah, that would take a much longer time. Or the Avengers movies. I think it takes like four and a half days to watch all the Avengers movies in order. So don't try that, but that's one of the ideas. Or you could just go eat food together, do sports, mm-hmm. like these axe throwing thing. That'd be super. I mean, yeah, that is a that'd thing. That'd be a blast to do with a college and young adult group. Take them and eat food and throw, throw axes. axes. Just don't hurt each other. Or we've had game nights. Yeah. Young adults and college kids seem to love that, just hanging out and playing board games. I feel like it's really easy to find things to do when it's warm. And if you're listening to this and you're somewhere where it's always warm. We hate you. I don't care. Um, don't talk about we it. We don't really hate you. We love you with the love of Jesus, but we deeply hate you. Right now I do. It's really Seeing cold. as we're going to have snow for like the next three days. Anyways. Um, so it is easy in the summer months to find things to do. I mean, you literally just go grab a Frisbee and go outside. Or put up a volleyball net. Like, I think that's easy. I don't know. But, um... But it's much easier to do that. Go for walks. Like, often go for walks in the park. Or just go have a picnic in the park or whatever. Um, I feel like these sound like a couple of those are more girly things. I don't feel like guys are just like, let's go for a walk. Well, that's why we have both a guy and a girl doing the podcast. Wow. It's like we thought of everything. So Which we totally did. <laughs> um, so it can be a little bit more difficult in the, the cold months, if you live in the north, uh, to find things to do. But, yeah, just be creative. I mean, Pinterest can be your best friend, and... What is that? Don't... You know what Pinterest is. Of course I know what it is, oh, but I have okay. no desire to know what it is. This is another girly thing versus a guy thing. Okay. Do you, do you really want me to explain what Pinterest is? No, I don't. Okay, okay. Um, it's a board that you pin stuff to that you're interested in. Pinterest. Wow, how'd you know that? It's really dumb. Great name. Great name. It sticks with my brain. Yep, good job. Like Yamcast. It's a good one. They're like the same. <laughs> Speaking of Yamcast, that's a wrap. Judges 3. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at the Yamcast.